I ended up uh, with a meeting with Siduri Pugli, yes. which is one of the co-founders. And um, it all started with me trying to interview her and understanding her journey. But at the end of it, she just looked at me and said, Diana, enough about me. Uh, are you happy where you are today? And just like my delayed answer, I think gave her an answer. <laughs> um, and, you know, I really believe in that there's always somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that will help you out. And in that case, that was how it all started. Serendipity. Yes. My name is Innocent Mugenga, and you're listening to the Learnability Podcast. We all come from somewhere and aim to make a journey through life. Constant change. This is an open-ended exploration of our ability and desire to learn, grow, and adapt. In conversation with inspiring individuals and experts in the fields of sciences, technology, behavior, and performance, we seek to find answers to how to navigate and win in this information age. The future is happening now, and we aspire to evenly distribute the knowledge by empowering your learnability. Let's go. Welcome, Diana. Thank you. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm feeling a bit nervous. Please don't be. This is my first time uh, taking a part of a podcast, but I'm sure it will go terrific with your help. Definitely. And as I told you, you will be doing much more of this. So <laughs> we'll see. This is just the first of many. Hopefully. I want to jump direct into your journey. So I, I found you to be, we actually had the opportunity to meet during an event that I was moderating. Yes. And you were uh, participating in the panel. Yeah. And I said, wow, this is a really ambitious, driven girl that I want to learn more about and talk more to. So I invited you to the podcast. Yes. And yeah. I'm so happy you did. <laughs> so tell us. What you do first, you can give us a quick uh, view of what you do, and then we'll jump into your journey. Definitely. So I'm actually one of the co-founders of a voice design agency that's called Talking to Me. I love that name. Yes. <laughs> there has been put some thought to it. Um, we started out in January, uh, so we've only been uh, active in... 10 months now, uh, but we've been working on this idea since uh, last year. And you've already worked with some really interesting clients. Yes. And we'll get more into that. Yes. But how did you come to now being in this entrepreneurial environment, running Talking to Me with your partners? How has your journey and path been? Well, uh, it all started out with, um, so I've been working since I was 15. So I've, I've always been a part of big corporations, uh, working at different levels, um, everything from working at the pharmacy where my mom works, uh, working as a cashier. And, was that uh, your first job? That was my first official job. No, so my, my dad, um, he was an entrepreneur himself. Uh, and he actually had a gross, grocery yeah. and a delicacy shop in Eskilstuna, which is where I'm uh, brought up. 
Um, yes, exactly. Um, so he is um, when when he had uh, his business, uh, we would go to his place and help him out with the um, with uh, with the shop and everything, and that's where it all started. Um, so you got early exposure to entrepreneurship and running business, and you were involved quite early. Yeah, like. and I, I I I my dad was. Um, for most of the time alone working with this. Yeah. Uh, he had another colleague too. So I got to see him doing all of it. Mm. So everything from the shopping, going out four in the morning to uh, bring them into the, to the store and um, taking out, out all of the stuff and working in the, in the store and then coming home, doing the paperwork, you know. It was uh, quite intense, uh, but that suited very well yeah. <laughs> in our family since my mom um, she studied during that time. So I got exposed to it, but it never was something that I strived for, no. to be honest, no. because I saw that there was a lot of hard work to it. And, um, it didn't, it didn't motivate me to go to that path, really. You didn't see yourself in that position, sort of. Well, later on in life, I was uh, thinking about, oh, so when I get to the age of 40 or 50, maybe I'll start my own business, yeah. you know, take it, uh, take a step back a notch and, you know, not, not work in the big corporations that I initially wanted to. When I started uh, studying uni, yeah. I took all the extra jobs that I could. I was all over the place, both <laughs> in the Uppsala Business and Economics Association that's where um, you studied? Uh, in Uppsala, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, I was a part of the association, helping them out with different things. And I also worked for several banks, taking in calls, wow. uh, and then also working with sales. And when I graduated, you know, when you're working in Uppsala, it's um, more or less the path is set out for you. What uh, did you study to Oh, uh, I studied uh, business and economics. Yes. So if you study in Uppsala, it's mm, the path is set for you. So what you either do is you go work as a consultant or an accountant. Okay. And I chose the consultant uh, part. So um, there was sort of a template. Did you realize that when you started or even before going into it that, okay, I'm studying this right now and this is my set path? No, um, I started out because I wanted to work uh, within the fashion industry, actually. Okay. Um, that. that was actually my initial goal. And I had this thing about I wanted to work as a business controller for H&M. Okay. That, was, that was, I had a clear goal. Yes, I wanted to clear. work for yeah. <laughs> Um And then a year after, um, I understood that since you got so much exposure from all of these big consultancy firms, the big four, they more or less formed your thoughts oh, about yeah. what, what you're supposed to do after your studies. They're grooming you sort of yeah. to <laughs> become a co-worker. Exactly. All right. um, so, and, uh, and I fell for that. <laughs> um, so I, I, I stood, I had a decision to make. I was either going to, um, to study my master's degree at yep. Uppsala or I would uh, get a job. And I got an offer and I felt that, oh, I might as well do this for a year or two and then go back to my studies, which clearly is not happening <laughs> that, that <didn't> happen. <laughs> anytime soon. So you got into consultancy at that yes. point. Yes. So it was uh, for an IT company. 
and I didn't know anything about IT uh, whatsoever, but I just got thrown into it and it was a really great experience. You know, you have different projects and uh, different opportunities to, to experience the big corporations. I had the chance to work with companies such as uh, Vattenfall and Telia and also work internally within the IT company with other stuff. And it was, it was a great experience. It helped me out understanding like the politics mm. of the big companies in a whole different way. It also helped me uh, gain a network that I, uh, up to this day, benefit from. And how did you go about in building that network? Like... Uh... Well, <laughs> were you seeking out mentorship? Was that your mentality or were you just out? Um, how did you go about? Well, I think if you just look at how my past uh, professional experience have looked like, I've always had interaction with people uh, in some way, whether it's standing b- behind as a cashier or, or uh, making calls mm. or whatever. And so... I was eager to learn, eager to understand what was the opportunities within the company and what was, um, I was curious about people. Uh, And that's how it started. So I started to book myself into all of these lunches and events in order to meet people and understand what brought them here. I remember there was a woman who contacted me through Instagram. Uh, She, I think she was doing like... uh, personal coaching and stuff yeah and she said like you seem to be out networking a lot what's your advice when it comes to networking and I thought about it and I hadn't thought about it before like I don't think about networking it's just I meet people that's exactly that's the thing (laughs) (laughs) but I actually thought about it for a minute and that was my advice just be curious sort of what what do you want to learn from a person have that approach put the person in the center and that's I guess how I network and it sounds like you did the same too. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I'm I'm really genuine <laughs> when it comes to that too. Uh it's not that I would like to benefit from others, but I I really I'm really really curious about hearing about their stories and learning from them and also share my experiences because yeah. I really believe in the sense that that people want to help you and I have a sense of me wanting to help others so that's you know. lovely and we are social creatures so yeah exactly <laughs> we would, uh, seek that from each other yeah so you are in the consultancy business you're working with large uh, some of sweden's largest corporations you're learning a lot i'm guessing about it as well yeah and then h- how long were you there I was there for approximately two years. Yeah. Um, so it all started with me not knowing what really what an IP address was to <laughs> understanding that and understanding the landscape uh, in regards of that. But I really felt that there was something that wasn't totally right. And I actually felt that now when I'm reflecting on my time at that firm, I felt that like right away when I started. Okay. There was something. You were happy to be there maybe like it's a step after school, but there was something that quite wasn't complete. No, exactly. And uh, it was frustrating because I had uh, already planned out, you know, I'm a control freak. Uh, I had already planned out what I was supposed to do with my career and what the next step was. And here I am feeling a bit uncomfortable with that. And I also think that although there are, there are a lot of positive aspects with working in a big corporations, they're also the backside of it. So working 
in a company where there are a lot of hierarchies that you need to take into consideration. And, you know, if you want to create some type of change, it um, usually gets shut, shut down because... There's so many steps, sort of. Ex- exactly. And I, I totally respect that because, you know, I feel like big corporations are kind of slow, but I also understand why, yeah. because you can't put everything to risk of just course, right away. But, but there's also, you're also, you might be putting everything to risk by not being fast and adaptable enough. Exactly. And so what, what frustrated frustrated me the most was I've always had uh, this passion um, surrounding diversity and working with that um, whether it was uh, working with that in the business as- or the business association for for the school that I went to uh, or if it was on on my workplace mm-hmm. and I try to create a change because I feel like big corporations usually talk about diversity and the importance of it and gender equality but i also don't see it reflecting their organizations and that was the same uh, for this company and i felt that this was just something um, that they talked about rather than worked on and i tried to be loud about it i tried to take initiative surrounding it but i felt that there was a big uh setback from from the company side really implementing it exactly you know it's uh, it's easy for them to pick out the diversity part when there is a employer branding photo shoot but then looking at the recruitment or looking at how the management team looks like it's i think it goes hand in hand and it usually doesn't in big corporations. They just sort of stop at the display phase. Exactly. And that frustrated me so much. And I just felt like... No. How did you get into the question of diversity and inclusion? What was your... Like, what fueled you to really dive into the question? Well, I think it's... You know, growing up and having another background that my um, my fellow classmates had, it gave me a sense of um, that there there was a difference. Mm. You know, but then growing up, I realized that I'm I'm not that different, really. Uh, we are here, mm. people that are second generation refugees. Uh, we are here, people that speak several languages. We are here, you know, and it's um, it's a fact. And I think that big companies and all places should reflect this identity that Sweden has taken on uh, for several, several year- years. And reflect society, uh, how society exactly. actually looks. That's, that, that's um, definitely what fueled, fueled my fire. I'm asking that because it's it's always great to get back to. And as I said in the beginning, you're a very driven person. And it's it's interesting to explore what makes you tick. So mm. we can maybe find some clues and, and find that drive in ourselves. It's uh, definitely uh, seeing things that are unfair and trying to make a change for for those people that are struggling with that or a situation that's unfair. And that's what I think you... You've also seen me uh, being loud about it when we had the event the first yeah. time we met. <laughs> um, that was fantastic. <laughs> I, I thought about it after. Let, let me explain the situation. So we were uh, we were on stage, uh, you, me, and three more people. We're having a panel discussion. 
And there was a lot of noise and people were talking in the background and it was a little bit hectic <laughs> right there. And you actually stood up and said, hey, everybody, shut the F up. <laughs> Turn it down and leave. I love that you did that. Okay, I didn't say that, no, but, no, but I, I in, a sense, <laughs> in a sense, that was my point. Yes. Um, and I feel that when um, you need to step up for yourself and step up for others that are being treated unfair yeah. and... Uh, that was a situation I did that and work, trying to work with diversity is also a way for me to to do the same, but doing it in in a more bigger sense. Mm. And right now I'm focused on the tech industry and yeah. trying to make a change there. So you went from big corp, yeah. still in IT and tech and, and mm. touching this, and then you doubled down into uh, more on the entrepreneurial side and startup side of tech. How did that transition look and, and why did you make that transition? So, uh, as I mentioned, it was getting a bit frustrating. Like the, the shoes that I wore uh, when I was uh, in the big firm, uh, they were too tight. I just wanted to uh, do something uh, more. And that has actually reflected all of my life always wanting to do more, growing up in a little small town um, and always wanting to take the next step. And so that was what uh, motivated me. And I did what I uh, had done before when I started a job. And it was talking to people and saying out loud what I wanted and saying out loud what I'm looking for and what I wasn't happy about. I really like that because people have a tendency to like, sort of keep their dreams yeah. and aspirations to themselves. I believe there's the hugest benefit of just talking mm -hmm. about everything you would wish or dream to do. So you just walked around and did that. Was that with people within the company or outside? And Both, like people that I trusted, obviously, since yeah. I was still mm -hmm. in the company and I, I, was, I was trying to find a way out. Yeah. Uh, but also people that I've met, like through my projects, people mm -hmm. that I looked up to, I took this up and I said, hey, we should grab a coffee. I want to hear about, it. I want to I talk about what you, you're doing. That was my step. And I also understand this uh, thing with not being loud about what you want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been growing up in a Middle Eastern home. And that's uh, and they are so afraid with the evil eye. So no. you're not <laughs> <laughs> like a neighbor wishing you bad. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And also the fact that you shouldn't uh, be loud about what you want because then it, you're going to jinx it. And but is that is that is that fact? Not, I'm not saying what I'm saying is fact based, but is it is it sounds like that might be superstitions. And yeah, it is. It is. Uh, there is there is a lot of superstition within that culture. And taking a step away from that, that's what I did. And it, it has benefited me in so many ways. And what I did was, and what, what made me go to this path that I am on today, um, I visited Changers Hub. Oh, yeah. And they are... Could you give like a... Uh, I did this at an event that I was moderating, another event. Uh, I like Changers Hub. So I love Changers Hub. Short, yes, I love Changers Hub. <laughs> could you give a short pitch of Changers Hub? Okay, Changers so Hub? what Changers Hub is trying to do, they're trying to, to democratize change. Yes. And uh, they are giving opportunities to, to uh, young people that are in the outskirts of Stockholm uh, to come in and make a place within the city. Take whether these dreams and aspirations, meet up and uh, make them reality. Definitely. 
and the work that they're doing. They both have their Changers Hub studio in in Albi yes. outside of Stockholm. Suburb out of, outside of Stockholm. That's where they, where they started. Where they started, and then they have also one in the city center of yes. Stockholm, in the I've heart been of to Stockholm. That one in this center of Stockholm. And the people that are have started this, um, they're so helpful. They are the most amazing people that I've met. And that's where it all started. I I, I went in, mm-hmm. I tried to listen to what they were doing. And then I ended up uh, with a meeting with Siduri uh, Pugli, yes. which is one of the co-founders. And um, it all started with me trying to interview her and understanding her journey. But at the end of it, she just looked at me and said, Diana, enough about me. Uh, are you happy where you are today? And just like my delayed answer, I think gave her an answer. <laughs> um, and, you know, I really believe in that there is always somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that will help you out. And in that case, that was how it all started. Serendipity. Yes. Lovely. Um, and so what happened was she said that, oh, a couple of hours ago, one of my Uh, friends came in and he was looking with uh, for someone that has just your profile go grab a coffee with him okay. please do wow so <laughs> she just had this meeting with someone you come in at the same day too wow. that's crazy that's crazy and so what i did was i said okay let's do it and that's one of my co-founders today what a story putting yourself out there you increase your chances of uh, meeting the right person and creating the right chances mm-hmm. fantastic so you've you met for coffee he told you about his idea i'm guessing and you uh, kept on building on that how did you go from this idea stage to talking to me so uh eric one of my co-founders he um he just said here's some links look it through this thing with voice we think it's going to uh create a big revolution with how we use technology and we really believe in this look through these links and let me know what you think and so that's where it all started so i started to do my own research trying to understand uh, this new phenomena that was uh, going on at uh, different markets around the world and trying to understand how that would change both the landscape here in sweden But also my behaviors. Is this really something that I believe in? As a consumer. Exactly. And so what happened was I, I really felt that this was the next big thing. And it is the next big thing. And so I just said, let's do this. And we started having um, these late meetings where we tried to understand, okay, so what what should we do? And it ended up being... And this consultancy firm that we uh, are currently running. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because I'm also a firm believer in the rise of audio mm-hmm. as a whole. And seeing people that are into the voice space within audio, I'm into podcasting, audiobooks and the consuming in that way. The voice space is a big part of it. So I say that to say that we're both quite bullish on audio right here. <laughs> I will try to <laughs> remember to play the devil's advocate, really to go yeah. into the depth with it. We also met at Gather Festival. Yes. We just released the Gather series and you gave a talk there. 
And one thing that I know you talk about is the third connected H. Yes. So mm-hmm. tell us about that. So um, if we just roll the tape and look on the different technology shifts that we've been through up till now, is the first um, the first technology shift was the internet. Back in '96, we had the internet coming out and computers being able to connect to other computers, and that really made a huge difference for us and how we communicated. And the next step and the next shift came in uh, 2007, approximately. And that was uh, when we went mobile first. The iPhone. Exactly. When all the smartphones came out, social media became a thing. So that was the second shift. And now what we are uh, experiencing is that we have uh, this third connected age that we're entering and that we are actually in. We're seeing a new way of engaging with technology, whether it's with AR, VR, but also with voice. And this is actually one of the most revolutionary uh, changes that we are facing uh, when it comes to um, these technology shifts. Hearing you explain it like this, I get to thinking about how, okay, so the first revolution was about connecting us. The second was about getting us to actually use it more. And now it's about actually now it's becoming more intrusive with our, our human behaviors with voice and ar technology we're one step away from implementing it mm. sort of and it's also getting more and more integrated into our lives and the reason why we are accepting this change is because it goes back to our natural behaviors oh, yeah. we are used to using our voice mm. in order to get what we want And uh, for us to be able to do the same thing, but with technology in an era where we are surrounded with um, the need of being efficient, but also we're we're sitting uh, in front of the screens way, way more than we should be. I wanted to say that it's quite unnatural to stare at the screen the way we do. And even swiping is quite... Yeah, Yeah, I know, right? Still is. Uh, And now uh, we have the opportunity to use our voice in order to to get the information we need and and get in touch with our loved ones uh, and get away from from the screen. And now I'm selling it even more, but I'm envisioning like a child growing up. Mm-hmm. It's not until you're able to communicate what you actually want that life becomes much easier, both for you and yeah. for your parent or who's ever taking care of you. Mm-hmm. And that's quite natural, telling your phone what you want or telling your home what you want. Exactly. And that's exactly what we identified. And we are seeing Google, Samsung and Amazon, they are all focusing on this with voice technology. They've created their own smart speakers and digital assistants. And when we are using this and we are understanding that, oh, this is way easier than picking up my phone and doing that or walking up and pressing a button, we are going to see a a change within our behaviors. And when we get to that point, um, that's where it gets crucial for the brands that we interact with from on an everyday basis. So what happens is we get new expectations on the brands that we interact with every day and, and the services and the the products that we we are used on used on getting 
Have you seen the uh, series on Netflix, Abstract? No, not yet. Tell me. It's fantastic. You okay. love it. Uh, watch everything from then. But if you want to start with one episode, on the second season that recently re- released, there is uh, an episode with a guy called, I believe it's Ian Spalter. Okay. And he's the, the designer behind Instagram's Big Lift. Oh. And they go into depth about UX design and UI design but based on our visual features. And it was a beautiful way of describing human behavior and interaction with technology. And I can see this as really uh, furthering that. And the way you're talking about all these devices and needing you to uh, connect the devices Mm -hmm. to our actual natural behaviors. Yeah. And the thing is, um, you know, we are really used to talk about like the visual aspects of a brand and and speaking about those areas but no one has really thought on how does my brand sound like yes and that was what i was uh, connecting it to so when these revolutions happen so from the first revolution of uh, the the internet becoming public Mm -hmm. that's when we realized that okay wait we need to design these computers to be interacted with And it feels like we're sort of in that early age with audio, like, wait, we need to design our brand and our voices Mm -hmm. and our look and feel for us to be able to display our identity. Exactly. And the identity for our brand gets more and more important when you don't have the visual aspects anymore to rely on, because now you really need to enhance that in a way, but do it in a different way. And that's why we say that when it comes to voice, it's a new competency that you need working with that. It's, um, for example, um, we don't hire um, regular UX designers because they're more focused on, on the visual part of stuff. We're, when we're looking for a VUI designer, which is a, um, a voice UXE person. Ah, okay. VUI. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, that's actually a term, so I didn't make that up now. <laughs> it's new for me hearing that. Uh, so um, we, we're looking more on the creative side of things. Someone that understands how a dialogue between two people uh, works. And, for example, our voice designer right now, she... Um, she has a huge experience within customer service. She has an understanding for that, but she's also a musician, which ah. we, and she writes music. So, you know, we, we take that into consideration. We need that creative spot uh, in order to create um, voice applications that we do. That's really cool. I haven't heard about this new field. And this is so perfect uh, for you to bring it up on learnability as we're mm-hmm. talking about like the future of work and how everything is so changeable. This will probably, I'm, I don't know, there's probably a few educational programs to become a VUI. Mm. Is that right? There is no <laughs> there's educational no, exactly. programs. That was what I wanted to get at. I bet like Hyper Island or some education like that should have that quite soon. Definitely. Yeah. And we can uh, shout out to uh, Hyper Island. We can help out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. Uh, since we are the experts. Talking to me. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's a new competency that you need to have. And it's, um, um, it's so new. Yes. But there is what, what we're seeing We've been doing this for the past year. Uh, we're seeing that there is a demand for it. If someone was to be pessimistic or uh, a non-believer yeah. in the rise of audio or voice, what would their main points be? Um, most likely, which uh, this is actually 
something that always gets brought up when I uh, present or go on stage. And it's always the question regarding privacy. Oh, yeah. So we have both the privacy part and the technology part. So first of all, um, the privacy part, there has been criticism towards uh, the big uh, tech companies regarding that. We're hearing that Google and Amazon have uh, recorded us. Yes, I've heard um, of that. Exactly. Uh, are listening all the time and the speakers. Yes. And, uh, but what they've, uh, their response has been is that, uh, especially when it comes to the smart speakers, that um, the only thing that gets recorded is if the AI thinks that you, you've said the wake word. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. Um, like, hey, Google. Exactly. Yeah. Or Alexa. I I've listened to some podcasts and when you do that, your actual device yeah, reacts. Someone's <laughs> device just reacted. Sorry for that. <laughs> it always happen. It happens when we're sitting on a, in a meeting at our place uh, of work uh, because we have them everywhere. Uh, and when we're like trying to um, tell a customer like, oh, uh, you can do this and you can say, hey, Google, da, 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 da. And then we hear her in, or, in the, or hear the Google Assistant in the background saying like, I couldn't recall that. <laughs> like, shoot. Uh, but, you know, they've, it, when it, going back to the privacy part, um, there has been a lot of criticism towards them. And what they've always said is that, oh, yeah, we record things and it, only if the wake word has been said and if we haven't been able to help you out with the task that you've said, we pay, pick out a couple of these recordings and let uh, developers listen to them under uh, a lot of like rules, of course. So it's not, you're not identifiable, I'm guessing. It's yeah. just the audio not connected to your identity or home or IP address. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and they tried to uh, improve the AI just manually yeah. using these recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they've also done, I think that they're, they've been uh, listening to the criticism, um, no pun intended, um, that they, they've created these um, functions in the digital assistance so that you can say, hey, Alexa, what have you listened to? Mm-hmm. And then you get uh, the data that has been recorded That's or Google now just released this October that you're able to delete all of the data. Yeah, I can actually very easily log into my Google Home and see all my interactions. Exactly. For a few minutes ago, you said her, talking about Uh, the Google Assistant. That was wrong of me. I want to understand. (laughs) Because there's a larger question of uh, us interacting with our uh, devices. Mm -hmm. And I actually mentioned before, watching the movie Her, called Her, is how I first got a like real understanding of voice that movie came 2013 and that might have been what led me on to like seeing the whole ecosystem of mm. audio uh, i'm not saying that will be the reality that's a uh, let me explain what the movie is about it's sort of a future where we use our airpods and different audio devices smart speakers integrated with a ai that's sort of siri or google assistant on <laughs> anabolic so it's mm. really advanced and spoiler alert, this guy has a deeper <laughs> relationship with the AI yeah. and so on. AI is also a development that goes hand in hand with the audio development and voice assistant development. What's your take on the future with uh, 
human interaction? How far can it go? Well, um, I think that if you look at the technology today, uh, at least at what uh, we have uh, here in the Western countries, uh, we're still uh, seeing a discrepancy between um, how uh, a dialogue between two human beings uh, is being made and the dialogue you have with your uh, Google Home at home. There's still a bit of a friction there. But I don't think, uh, I think uh, one misconception is talking about um, the digital assistance being something in the future that, oh, uh, it's, it's something that will blow up in like 10 years. But if you look at the Google Assistant, for example, or, or the Amazon Alexa, and if you, if you look at the accuracy rate of them, when what I mean with that is that it's the ability for the Google Assistant to understand you. So it's approximately on 85 to 90% of an understanding uh, point of view. I have a Google Home at home and I would uh, agree with that. I think it's about that. And then we have when two people are interacting, you could say that the accuracy rate between them would end up at 95%. But then there is actually one uh, assistant, a digital assistant that exceeds that. And um, in, in that's actually um, the Baidu, uh, which is uh, available on the Asian market. Okay. And the accuracy rate for that is 96%. And it's improving. So oh, wow. it understands you better than a human being, which is kind of both a bit scary, of course, uh, but also fascinating on how technology really develops and evolves uh, it's not something linear it's uh, really an exponential graph there so how it sounds today um, doesn't say uh, how it will sound tomorrow or maybe in six months definitely i i totally agree and i can see it growing and i, I also see it being uh, as i said i have google home mm. at home today and even before i had it i had placed a bet within the audio and, and smart speakers being a part of our reality but i'm thinking about how us humans will evolve with our devices and i guess i'm a little bit tainted by uh, our conversation that we had Mm. from the gather series called virtually love which was a lot about how digital interactions are affecting our relationships and our relationship with uh, digital devices robotics and how all of this might get together yeah and so what we're we're going to see and what we are seeing is that Um, as I mentioned, that our behaviors are changing. And so um, in the near future, we're going to see people telling their Google Home or Amazon Alexa, hey, Google, uh, get me a pair of white Stan Smiths. And who is going to uh, end up in the search field then? Who's going to answer that customer and that client? And that sets a whole different expectations on the brands. And as I said, the identity of the brands. We're also going to see it more integrated. Um, so right now, uh, what it's used for, it's most commonly used for voice commands. So turn on the lights, turn off the lights, or put the music on, or um, read the news out loud. But we're also seeing a rise on the third-party apps, the usage of the third-party apps. And that's what we can see on the markets. Uh, if you look at uh, the UK, uh, the German market, you can also see that in the US, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's 
one thing. And we are also seeing it in the Asian markets where you're interacting with everyone and everything through voice. So it's going to change, uh, as I... <laughs> as I mentioned, yeah. every aspect of our lives, but we're not going to um, step away fully from the screen because we, you know, just thinking about like the e-commerce field, how will that change? We'll probably not end up uh, sitting by our computer all the time and clicking our way through. We're going to say, hey, Google, talk to H&M. I want to find a pair of trousers. And then... Um, H&M responding to that and doing that through voice and also the visual aspect of it. Uh, but first interaction will be through voice, but you also have like the secondary interaction would be the visuals. Spinning on that, this mm. is really interesting. I can see we, we used to run clothing stores, me and the partners. We had a smaller chain of clothing stores and I can see the process of you entering a store the first thing that a store clerk does is not show you several pair of jeans. Mm. There's a lot of asking. Exactly. So yeah. what are you looking for? What are you going to do? So I can see the H&M voice assistant asking these questions. Mm. So you're going through a process. Okay, I got three alternatives for you. Yeah. And then you display the alternatives. And that's the thing with voice. It's not, we're ta not talking about voice commands. So we're talking about creating the dialogue yes. between you, uh, the brand, and your client or customer. Uh, that's what, what we're talking about here. And you knowing what to answer your customer in order for, to help them and in, in order to also open up for a new sales channel for yourself. So there is, like, it's a whole science behind of this. I haven't uh, thought of just the uh, e-commerce side, and I bet there's so much more I haven't thought of. Yeah, and, and what we're seeing now is that the smart speakers that, 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 that are out there is just a tool for learning how to uh, have a digital assistant uh, helping you, and that will evolve. Definitely. I can just, I think I've had my uh, smart speaker for, actually, it's just six months mm. it's about six months and it itself within my home has become a lot better at mm. i remember the early stage i was like what is this <laughs> but i also knew that it's yeah. learning my voice and it's yeah. learning which commands i most often do and mm. which command comes after what uh, the ai and uh, machine learning so it will get a lot better and be very natural like you said uh, right now, it feels quite natural to, for me to put on my podcast yeah. through asking it to put on my podcast. Not my podcast, specifically. No. <laughs> my podcast. Well, I wouldn't blame you. It's a great podcast. <laughs> it's a little bit egocentric. Hey, Google, play my voice. <laughs> we are getting more and more used to interacting with brands through our digital assistants. And we're also going to see them being more proactive. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe. So right now we're seeing that it always goes on command. Yes. So if I want to speak to uh, Ika or SE, I have to turn them on by, by saying it to my, my assistant. But just imagine uh, yourself uh, wanting to book a trip to, to, to a warm country and you'll, you'll tell your uh, digital assistant, hey, Google, let me know when there is a trip to Greece 
for mm. hundred under four thousand kroners uh, within this time uh, line, and then you uh, you you put your in your requirements, and then one day you enter your home and start cooking your meal, and your Google Assistant says, uh, "Hey, uh, innocent, I have a trip for you." What do you think about this? And you'll be like, send me the information per email. And then you'll look it through. Like, that's that's not in the future. We're actually... That's doable today. Exactly. That's really interesting. And I can also imagine, like, just getting home mm-hmm. and saying, hey, Google. And it knows it's raining today. It knows, like, some yep. uh, metrics. It knows you got home at eight o'clock today. It's quite late. And mm-hmm. making a decision from that. Do you want me to order pizza or mm-hmm. whatever it, it, it uh, knows that you want? Yeah, like, if, you, if they know a certain route that you take for work, they understand that, oh, it's, um, uh, this route is delayed because this bus isn't coming. And they try to rearrange that for you. But also if you're, as you said, like coming home and you're late mm-hmm. and they, because AI can understand, like if you just put in the right data, then it might suggest, oh, maybe we should do a pizza. Should I call for, uh, for it to, to be home delivered? And you're like, yeah, I, I have no energy to do some cooking today. You know, it's, it's natural that we're heading towards that mm-hmm. way because, you know, living in a stressful world that we are doing, we're trying to do things more and more efficient. And the digital assistant is making that uh, possible. And I also want to say, like, I'm not blind to the downsides, like uh, suggesting different purchases all the time could lead us into a consumption yeah. behavior. But I'm optimistic in that we will use it in good ways for the most. And that the good sides, I'm, I started thinking about mental health now when we're talking like the assistant knowing that it's been very quiet at home wow. for a while now and suggestion, maybe you should call mm-hmm. this friend or maybe. Or just like, oh, this is the field that I'm really uh, passionate about. So, you know, you can do a lot of things with with the Google Assistant and creating applications for that or, or any other platform, but just thinking about the opportunities that you can create so much great applications for those platforms. Yeah. And it's just like, think about the elderlies that have, um, like most of the time are alone, being able to have a conversation with a digital assistant and how that can uh, help, help them, but also strengthen them. You know, if you, if they are bound to um, be on a wheelchair or, or in a bed, but uh, and asking help in order to like put the lights on. Now they have the opportunity to to do that using voice technology. And then also we're um, like something that I, I would love to do is trying to see how can we help the hospitals, for example, in order to release more time to the patients just using voice assistance. We're seeing that a lot of the patients have recurring questions like, when is lunch? What is for lunch? Uh, when can my family come? You know, all of these questions can be answered just by using a digital assistant. Answered directly. In order for the people that are working in the hospital yes. doing what they're supposed to do. And also, this, uh, since I love diversity integration and working with that, what we can do in order to promote integration. So think about how, like the big authorities in Sweden, I've been working for three of them, actually, uh, once upon a time. When I worked in their office, I understood that there are a lot of people coming in that don't know the Swedish language. 
and sometimes there isn't a possibility to have a translator there. But what if your digital assistant could translate live so the person that comes in for help can get help? Just so we can translate live visually today. Yes. So we could do it. There's like where you can point your uh, Google uh, Translate camera mm-hmm. onto a picture and it translate on the picture. It should be able to do that uh, vocally. Yes. So uh, you're co-founder of this company. You're looking yes. to grow and build in an industry that's still growing. How do you look forward to building this company? What type of company do you wish to build? Having so strong views around diversity and inclusion, and, and uh, I think it's perfect for startups to implement this early. Definitely. So without asking a too leading question. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so uh, when I met up with one of my co-founders, uh, we're actually four co-founders. So yeah. it's me, Eric, uh, Matthias, and Kaisa. When I had my first meeting, that was actually one of the things that Eric uh, said out loud, like this thing with diversity and how other tech companies have been working with it. Uh, that's bullshit. <laughs> Sorry for the use of word, mom. Uh, uh, but um, we want to create real change. And that was also so funny to me because I've been hating on these old white men (laughs) uh, for uh, such a long time because they, I won't say they are the only reason behind this problem, but one of the many reasons. And here I have, and not he's not too old. I'm sorry, Eric. Uh, uh, but he's he's a white man yeah, is saying yeah. that and telling me that this is important to us. And um, we set out that our tech team is going to be um, dominated by females, yeah. first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, and it is, actually. Um, and it's not uh, that we're trying to discriminate in any way. We're trying to overcompensate for yeah. the situation that is actually happening in, in the tech industry. We're seeing that these tech teams are being built and when they're on their sixth, sixth or seventh developer, they're like, oh, shoot, we need to bring uh, a female developer in. And then we, they either do that or they uh, just say, ah, we can't find them. And we're trying to prove that that's not true. We can't find them is bullshit. I'm using that word as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, innocence, mom. <laughs> uh, bad influence. Uh, no, but you know, it's, it's really interesting to see that people just use that as an excuse whilst we're using that as a fuel to, to our mission. Um, and uh, up till now, we are building our female uh, tech team and that's really going really well. And um, We're also trying to promote other organizations and uh, lift them up whenever we can. Like, for example, the Social View and Diversity Management. I was just about to mention them. I love them. Susan, Susan, Zilan, everyone. Um, I, you know, just the work that they do and help companies think uh, diversity, but in... um, concrete way is amazing i want to say that because it's it really isn't all white men that think and act this way it's just something it's not just no sometimes of course you act with biases that happens naturally and you have to try to fight that and then it becomes sort of a structure so these larger organizations are so structured within that bias yeah so it's great that 
some start a lot of startups your company our company are looking at this from the start yes and for those who are so deep into the wrong path mm. because it, it is the wrong path you need diversity and inclusion mm. period they can take help from com- uh, from people like susan and the social mm. view to help them implement inclusive infrastructure yes so they can implement it. inclusive in- infrastructure mm. No, it's it's. Um, I, I definitely understand that if you have a company with sixty thousand uh, individuals, it's pretty hard to be like, okay, uh, we're cutting you off yeah. and we're starting from scratch. But you have to have the right mindset, yes. and that's what I also feel like. People think that that it's enough uh, to have your employer branding a bit colored mm. or mm. or doing a couple of events. That's enough, but. It's not like that. You really have to be loud about it. For example, we have had the opportunity to stand on so many amazing uh, stages uh, this past year. And we've always, always uh, had to question, uh, besides Gather, I think was the only one, the the program with the people that are responsible with it, like saying, hey, why is it, uh, why is the program consisting 30% 30% females and the rest men. And if you're looking at people of color, they're only, be, only being represented in 8% of the mm. cases. You know, trying to be loud about it. Also saying no to uh, a couple of uh, these conferences. Of course, there is a value in going there and, and being the being that representative. Exactly. But it's also, you don't want to be the monkey in the cage, you know? I want it to, in order to have great discussions, I want several perspectives. That's really well said, well put. And I'm really uh, hoping, looking forward to seeing your journey and supporting whatever way I can do and hoping you achieve what you're trying to accomplish here. Thank you. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior or habit has most improved your life? I think uh, going from uh, being, uh, as I mentioned before, being um, introverted, surrounding my own thoughts and what I want to do and keeping that to myself Mm. and instead being loud about them uh, has changed a lot of things for me. It's just like I have so many crazy uh, examples just this summer uh, in May, I think, or in April, I I just said, oh, I want to go to Almedalen, which is the polit- uh, Politicians Week in Sweden, which yes. is huge. It's the center of politics once a year in, in, Sweden. in Sweden. Exactly. And uh, my colleague said, well, that's um, a bit too late now because it was in, in the beginning of July and all the planning had been uh, already been made. Like I opened up the thought and I said it out loud. And one week after I got a request to, to um, have a talk on Google sessions, which wow. is amazing. There you go. Yeah. You know, and I, I really think uh, you should manifest uh, what, where you want to go and what you want. And uh, of course there will be work put behind it, but uh, the rest of it will just fall into place. What are you eager to learn within the near future? I think, um, and I've actually uh, done a bit of effort uh, regarding this, it's what I'm really keen on uh, on learning is 
human behaviors. Mm -hmm. So how does it change uh, when we get exposed to new technology? Like what really happens with our brain, with our behaviors, with our way of living? Um, And I've actually reached out to um, KTH, uh, which is a... The Royal Technical... uh, No. The Royal Technical Institute of Technology in yeah, I think Stockholm. It's Royal Institute of okay, Technology. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I was saying the same. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they are, um, and they have a lot of studies regarding like speak recognition and how that affects uh, human beings and etc. And that I would have loved, loved, loved to just be part of a project like that or a study like that, just to understand. Uh, because I think it it gives you a whole nother credibility within your work, but it also I'm like genuinely really curious about that because I'm I'm experiencing the difference myself using that technology and using other types of technology, and just getting it on paper would be amazing. I'm also genuinely curious about that. So mm-hmm. uh, especially uh, be- behavior in large, then behavior connected to technology. And then voice and audio, of course, is yeah. also interesting. So with that said, we're looking to, we will be exploring uh, this in the podcast. So oh. if you have any suggestions, if you meet, come across people, just holler. I will holler at you, definitely. <laughs> Perfect. So Diana, thank mm. you very much for this conversation. It's been great. Thank you. It's been so much fun. I hope, I'm actually happy that I didn't cough once, or once I did, uh, but uh, I didn't have a a coughing attack so you did great hope you, you enjoyed yes. <laughs> thank you I'm looking forward to listening to this thank you thank you learnability podcast is produced by levels working in the fields of digital transformation innovation product development and venture if you want to know more about us visit at wearelevels.com and oh yeah if you want to find additional material and contribute to the platform you can do that at learnability.online that's learnability.online looking forward to get in touch with you 